<laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, I'm so thankful to be here with you guys. Really thankful for this Christmas season. Hope you guys get to have some great family time. But today is the day before the best day ever, right? It's a pretty good day, right? I mean, it's one of those things I grew up in churches, and maybe you have as well, uh, where I went to a church that we didn't really celebrate Christmas. Uh, it was sinful to some people, I guess. I, I don't really understand that very much. I, I think celebrating the birth of Christ is very important. Um, I understand that some people say that, well, we celebrate the birth of Christ every day. We celebrate the, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Christ every day. The world celebrates it one day. I'm like, who cares? Let's just celebrate, right? I, I, think, I think that's something that we should be doing. I, I think it's, it's a great time to come together and just celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, I recognize that, you know, tomorrow is probably not that exact day Jesus was born, right? That doesn't really matter so much as that Jesus was born incarnate flesh here on earth, and that's something to celebrate. So this is the time of year the entire world stops, and they're thankful. They have gratitude in their hearts. They're spending time with family, and that's fantastic. And we're doing the same thing. But, like I've said several weeks, we get to celebrate it with an extra uh, good uh, good gift, right? The good gift of Jesus being born. So let's talk about Christmas. So today we are going to divert a little bit from our Luke series. We are still a little bit in Luke, but I think it's important to stop and say thank you God for the birth of Jesus. Thank you God for Christmas and all that that entails. Today is Christmas Eve, what I'm going to be calling the day before the best day ever. And we think about this day and we think about all the things that are involved with this day in Scripture, right? We talk about the prophecy. We talk about the experience that Mary and Anne Elizabeth had prior to their children being born, specifically Mary here. There's a lot going on. There's a lot taking place. Christmas had a lot of moving uh, gears, right? Hundreds and hundreds of years of silence from God. And then he speaks to this woman, this young woman, says, you're going to start this entire new way for me on earth. And it's going to start with the birth of of the son that I'm going to give you. It's a special day. A lot has led up to this. In the night before Christmas, everything changes. Everything is going to change the next day. And as I read this story over and over again during this Christmas season, I think about the birth of Jesus. I can't help but think of the birth of my own children. I mean, I'm sure you go through similar kind of functions if you've had kids before or someone in your family that you love that's, that you celebrate the birth of a niece or a nephew or a friend's kid. It's a really special thing to celebrate that. And I think about the night before my kids were born was a very strange night, right? A lot of anticipation has been building for nine months. It's a long time to wait for this kid, right? And I remember with my own kids, specifically my son, I remember exactly where I was. I was actually at uh, my wife's childhood home where we were staying with her family at that, at that time, and we were eating pizza rolls and watching Boy Meets World. That's what we were doing. Um, Jay, he was a little bit after his due date, so we were going on walks to try to get this baby to leave the womb, and it wasn't working, so we just kept eating pizza rolls and watching Boy Meets World. And eventually, we did go to the hospital. Eventually, Michelle had to be induced, and eventually there was a baby for us to hold and to love and to, and to share together. But I'll tell you, the anxiety between not having a child and a child being there is huge. What kind of person am I going to be? What kind of dad am I going to be? Am I going to 
be a good dad? Is this child going to hate me one day? Is this child going to survive under my care? All these things are whirling through my mind before this child is born. And then he's there. And then things, you know, just fall into place. I remember with my daughter, it was a little bit different. I was in college over at at Harding University. And I had to save up all my skips because I had to go watch the birth of my daughter, right? I couldn't, I had to make sure I went to all my classes that semester so I could go. They would have let me get by, but I always tell that joke because it wasn't that serious. But I was in the hospital nonetheless, waiting for my daughter to be born. And to be honest, I was a little bit arrogant for the second one, right? I was like, I got this. I already had a kid before. Like, it's nothing new. Like, I understand, oh, I'm going to, I already know I'm a good dad. That's already, I'm good with that. And all these things, people are like, are you nervous? Are you nervous? I'm like, no, I'm not nervous. It's not that big of a deal until the night before that baby was born. It kind of hit me all at once. Oh, man, I'm about to be a dad again. Oh, man, all these things, oh, this, this routine that we've built over the past, you know, 20 months is ruined now because this new baby's entered the picture, right? And all this anxiety comes back to me in a second. And I'm sweating. I'm shaking. I, I don't know what to do. And, and you guys know the story. Eventually, the baby's born. The baby's there, and guess what we did? We figured it out. But I'll tell you, the night before that day was an extremely anxiety-ridden night. It was, again, the same gymnastics in my mind saying, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be the worst father ever? Am I going to disappoint my children? All those answers are probably yes every now and then. But the fact of the matter is, is that that was just a stressful night, highly anxious night. Am I ready for this? No, you're not ready for this. But nonetheless, that baby's coming, whether you're ready or not. And I get it. It's one of those situations where you kind of have to be so selfless once you become a parent. This is not new news to anybody, right? But there's this selflessness. And I get it. If you have a spouse or in this relationship that that you've made a covenant relationship with this person, that you do surrender yourself to that person, you submit to them, you say, I love you and I'm willing to do anything for you, but nothing tops the self-surrender that you have to do when you bring a child into this world. Because it's one thing to surrender to an adult that has the ability to take care of themselves. It's another thing to surrender your life to a living being who literally uh, hangs on everything that you possibly could do, right? You are in charge of whether they live or die. You have to feed them, change their diapers, all the different things. It's a different type of surrender. You are the life support for this human being. And that is taxing. And I remember, this is a quick story, I probably told it before, but when Jay was born, uh, it was kind of tumultuous there in the hospital room for me, <laughs> the, the father, right? The one that has a really hard thing to do that day. Um, it wasn't, I'm joking, okay? It was way harder for her. Um, but I remember uh, we were in that hospital room for so long, it seemed like, and eventually my mother-in-law came and said, why don't you go get some snacks? Basically saying, why don't you let, exit this room for a little bit and get out of here? So I go to Publix, and I'm walking down the snack aisle, and I see all these families and these kids running around, and I'm, I'm just stressing out even more. And it's one of those things where I am looking for my goldfish, and I get this, this thought in my head is, is this how it's going to be forever? Am I going to be this tired? Am I going to be this broken forever? And I was just distraught. So I brought that same energy back into that, ho- that, that hospital room, which I'm sure everybody wanted to see and experience. Uh, and I said, Michelle, is this how it's going to be forever? And she looked at me, and she was very kind. And she said, you know they grow up, right? And it was like, 
Yes, but, but in my mind in that moment, I was so lost. I was so just out of my, my element that I had no idea how to really comprehend what the next day could possibly be, right? The night prior to that was all this anxiety, what's going to happen? And then this child comes, and it's even crazier than I expected, right? And all these things are happening all at the same time, but I, it doesn't under, uh, underestimate or it doesn't understate the fact that this truly was the, the day before the best day ever. Right when you welcome a child into this world, a very, very beautiful occasion. But there's so many complicated feelings. So this morning, when we look at the story, the birth story of Jesus, I kind of want to look at the complicated feelings that are going on with Mary and Joseph this time. Right, We have this prophecy that's given to Mary. We have all these things that have been leading up to this moment. Hundreds of years of silence from God literally being spoken into to this, to this woman, Mary, to change everything, to be the source of the Savior of the universe. But at the end of the day, she's still a woman, and she's still got a guy, Joseph, next to her, and they're still going to be parents. So think about that stress. Think about that anxiety. All these things are riding on you, and at the end of the day, you're also still going to have to be mom and dad. Also, you're still going to have to take care of this child. And what I get to is that with parents, like, you know, when you have your own kids, and when we look at Mary and Joseph, I feel this camaraderie because this is the statement that really comes true, comes through, when this baby is born, my life is no longer my own. I can't just go and do whatever I want. I can't stop and, and do whatever I want and not think about how it's going to affect this child. Every single aspect of your life has changed now. Your life is no longer your own. I read that into my own life, and when I sit with Mary and Joseph, I read the exact same thing. Their lives are no longer their own. That was clear, obviously, when the prophecy was given to Mary and she has this energy we're going to read here in a second. But the fact of the matter is, she's going to welcome this child into her life, and then it eventually becomes real. It's one thing to think about it. It's another thing to experience it. You see what I'm saying? My life is no longer my own. I wonder what their conversations were like, right? We just read, Sean just read for us that they were traveling, right, while she was pregnant. That sounds like every pregnant woman's dream scenario, right? Let's travel, I wonder what the conversations were like. I wonder if Joseph's like, man, am I going to be a good dad to this kid? Or if Mary's saying, you know what, am I going to be a good mother to this kid? And then the next level of those conversations, oh yeah, we're kind of fulfilling prophecy to, to, at, at some point later. All these feelings are taking on, and I kind of get back, my life is no longer my own. This is probably not the easiest trip ever. And, and all those questions that I feel like that we ask, they're probably asking the same thing. And my, my other question that I have is, what are you doing, God, by giving this, this, this task to these two people? Why are you doing it this way? Why are you having the Savior of the universe go through birth, go through the, the disgustingness of being a human, really? Entering flesh and really relying on humans. That's a huge responsibility, right? It's a huge responsibility when you have your own kid. But then I remember how Mary interacted here with, with this angel that spoke to Mary when she was given this prophecy. Right? They, they said that you're going to have this child, and this is Mary's response. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Recognize the attention she's putting, not on herself in this moment, but, but on God. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy expands to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Do you see the attention that she's placing on God? It's not about God. I am the great, you know, Mary. I I am this, or I am so capable. Thank you, God, for giving me this task. No, she says... I rejoice in God, my Savior. He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. He has remembered me. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. Again, she's not placing the emphasis on her good deeds, but on the fact of the matter that God has always been working even when it seems like He's not. That's her energy. Remember, we talked about it early in our Luke series about she was prepared for this moment, right? She was prepared for God to do something, even though for hundreds of years it seemed like he was quiet. But she was prepared for God to do something in her life, in the life of everybody. She puts all the glory and all, and all the, you know, the kind of onus on God. This is God's work through me, not me doing anything. She was ready. But I, I also feel this tension of the joy and the unknown, just like when you have your own kids or you have someone in your life that you do love who has a child, there's this tension of this joyful, yes, this child is to be born. Oh, no, am I going to ruin everything? And I can kind of feel this tension, but where Mary kind of differs from the anxiety that I might have is that she kind of turns it all over to God, whereas I have, a trouble, I have trouble doing that sometimes. She turns it all over to God. What is tomorrow going to be like? Why is tomorrow so great for Mary and for Joseph? Simple this, Emmanuel. Right? In Matthew 1, 22-23, it says this, All this took place to, f- to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Right? It's not just a name. It's a state of being. It's a state of being that God will be with us. It's a saying that God has said from the very beginning, I will always be with you. Over and over and over again, Israel hears it and they reject it. Hears it and reject it. They go closer to God and then five steps backwards. But God says, nonetheless, I am with you. And eventually we fast forward to this day where Mary's going to give birth to Jesus. And he says, see, I told you. I am with you. I'm going to enter into the disgusting nature of human beings. I'm going to have to suffer sickness. I'm going to have to suffer Eventually, spoiler alert for our Luke series, a crucifixion, right? All these things Jesus is going to have to experience, but God says, guess what? I'm still with you. The day before the best day ever where God says, see, what I've said from the beginning is coming true today. And it's not coming through on some triumphal entry where a king has all these people leading him through where it's, where it's, this, this fanfare that some kings of that time, right, when Mary said, you bring the kings down, right? You lift up the humble. No, it's going to come through the birth of a child in some barn, manger, cliff, rock formation, whatever. You're not even going to be inside, Mary. But I am going to make this true regardless of the situation. 
And through that, you will see my power. She was ready for this. But Christmas is the proof of all that promise. So I go back to this. Every time I read, I read this so many times the past couple weeks. And I, and I feel the energy of, Ma- of Mary and Joseph. And I remember what it was like for me to have my own kids. And it's still this experience. My life is no longer my own. Kind of this resounding nature. My life is no longer my own. There's this joy of this child being born, but there's this realization that nothing is going to be the same from this point on. This is Mary and Joseph, right? This is what they experience. And later on, this is what Jesus' disciples are going to experience, right? Where Jesus says, leave your nets and come follow me. Be fishers of men. His disciples eventually deny everything and follow Jesus But the fact of the matter is, Jesus shows this from the very beginning, that his life is not his own, and eventually leads to the cross where he shows the entire world that his life is not his own. Fully surrendering, fully submitting to God's will on earth, but it all starts here. Have I said that enough times this morning? I want you to remember, it all starts here. And it's all because God is with us. It's not... And this is something I've had to wrestle with. It's, it's such a churchy thing for us to say sometimes. Jesus is with you. God is with us. And I don't say that in a bad way. But I think when we underestimate the power of Emmanuel, we underestimate the message of Emmanuel. Does that make sense? The message of saying, I am with you in flesh and blood. I am not some distant God that you have to cry to and hope for the best. He says, no, I'm going to enter flesh. I'm going to experience pain because my life is not my own. And we're relating to that truth day by day. But even though we might relate to it, we might not realize it, fully actualize that in our actions. In a way, our Christian walk embodies this as well. Not in a way, our entire Christian walk does embody this, right? My life is no longer my own. We've had so many baptisms this past year where several people gave their life over to Jesus It's not just a ceremony, right, where we get a little bit, you know, wet and we get to have a lot of hugs and say, I'm going to try to be better. No, you are saying, my life is not my own. I'm going to carry my cross every single day. My life is not my own. And we talk about that with Easter. We talk about it with the resurrection. But it's so crucial to talk about that with the birth of Jesus because without the birth of Jesus, we don't eventually have the entire life and the experience of the death of Jesus. And all of it is important. All of it is the promise. All of it goes back to Emmanuel. God is with us. This eager expectation of what will tomorrow bring. So during this season, I want, you to, I want to invite you to this specific thing, right? My life is no longer my own, but also this emphasis on Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with you even right now. So I want to invite you to this, trust in the truth of Emmanuel, the truth of Emmanuel, not just the saying, not just the idea that, yes, God is with me in my darkest times. No, God is physically decided to be with you in flesh and blood. And because of that truth, everything else is possible. Now, John doesn't have a birth story, but he has this in his gospel. And I think it's very, very important that we contextualize this this morning as we talk about the birth of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light, or the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Right? When we talk about the word logos, the capital W here, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus has been there since the beginning, and all things are created through Jesus, which is an awesome thing. We can clap and say, yes, God is good. But then verse 14 changes the entire script. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He entered into the messiness of life. He entered into this this function of, of being Savior of the world in the most human way possible. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we celebrate that. We celebrate that on Christmas, not just by the giving of gifts to one another, not by just respecting the fact that Jesus is the ultimate gift, but by saying that this starts everything. This gift starts everything in motion forever. The fact that we're sitting here today submitting ourselves to Christ is because he chose to become flesh and to make his dwelling among us. So I invite you also to eagerly expect Emmanuel. Eagerly expect that God will show up and that God is with you. Tomorrow when you're opening gifts or tomorrow when you're exchanging gifts or thinking about the birth of Jesus, I want you to think about this and say, God, I eagerly expect you to be with me. I know that you're going to be with me. I know that you're going to show up, and I know that you care because you showed me in person. There's no getting around that. Let us all eagerly expect Emmanuel this season. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this time of year uh, where we have a lot of extra family time, hopefully, and where we are just uh, more aware of your presence, maybe, in our lives. But God, I, I resonate here with Mary and Joseph. I know that the, the next day, you know, they're, they're doing this traveling and they're expecting this child, but in all this prophecy and all this fulfillment is taking place, but at the end of the day, they're also mom and dad, and that's fearful. But I recognize that Emmanuel doesn't just mean that he's there for the whole world, that he was there for Mary and Joseph, that he was there for us today, and that this Emmanuel, this God is with us, is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. God becoming flesh, changing the entire script, the entire narrative, making it possible for us to be with him one day. I'm truly, truly thankful for that gift. So Jesus, let me pray. Amen. And like I said at the beginning, I recognize that the holiday season can be very difficult. I know a lot of people mourn loved ones. It's time, again, for a lot of family time. But I pray that the story of Emmanuel is encouraging in some way to you. It's, it's encouraging to know that no matter how far away or no matter how dark it gets, that Emmanuel is truth. God is with me, and I can take respite in that. If you're struggling this holiday season, if you're mourning a loved one, if you're just saying, you know what, I don't like this time of year, whatever it is, I hope that you talk to somebody about it, if it's not me, to talk to somebody today, because this is the time where we can eagerly expect God being with us. If you have any needs at all, won't you make them known while we stand and sing?